Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 34. Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. When Anne-Marie and I launched Five Cat Studio back in 1999, we took the work that we could get and we charged what we thought our clients wanted to pay. But as we matured as architects and the business grew, we learned that we needed to make more money in order to build a better business. Are you in that same position? Are you working too hard and earning too little? Well, this week on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I will talk about how to raise your fees. So stick with me. I'll be right back. Last week on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I chatted with architect Rand Selner, the owner of Home Architects in Western North Carolina, up in the mountains, designing some cool houses, mountain architecture. He's also a founding member of Arch Architects Creating Homes is a professional organization, relatively new, dedicated to licensed residential architects. And it was a very interesting conversation, and we received a bunch of feedback from the entrepreneur architect community. There's lots of buzz, so check out the episode at entrearchitect.com slash episode 33 and leave a comment or visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash entrearchitect 
and join in the conversation over there. I'd like to know what you think. There's both support for Arch and there's a few objections too for uh, for what Rand and his team are trying to do. So I'd love to know what you think. So check it out. Um, on Monday over at the blog, I posted my my list of 25 architects that you should follow on Twitter. And I wanted to mention that there are so many more great people on Twitter than just 25 that I follow. Um, but I needed to set a limit and 25 sounded like a pretty good number. I picked the 25 that I think most provide the best value and with whom I interact with most. So that's how I picked the list. Uh, there are plenty more. So I want to know who you follow. So which architects are providing the most value in your Twitter stream? And if you're not yet contributing on Twitter, I invite you to sign up and then visit entrearchitect.com slash Twitter 25, entrearchitect.com slash Twitter 25, and follow the 25 architects that I listed, and then start contributing to the discussions happening over there. And you will be amazed at the connections you make and the friends you'll find over on Twitter. And, and don't forget to follow me at twitter.com slash entrearchitect. So you want to make more money. Well, then raise your fees. You know, the first thing that we have to get past here is the fear of raising your fees. It takes a lot of courage to take that first step and uh, that to get into the mindset that you're going to raise your fees and, uh, and, and the potential consequences that may have on your business and ultimately your family. So uh, you have to um, you know, acknowledge that, that it is sort of a scary thing to consider and uh and get past that before you do anything else if you can't get past that it's you're doomed you really you really are you you're not going to be able to raise your fees and you're not going to be able to make the money that you want to make so you have to get past the mindset that this is a scary thing and and take the dive the second thing that you really need to do is to understand your finances you need to understand where the money's coming from and where it's going um, you need to, exp you know, basically calculate all of the expenses for your year. So, you know, in, in one full year, uh, how much money do you need to, to, you know, put out in order to, uh, run your business. Then you need to break it down. How much per month do you need to make to break even? Uh, and then that way you can break it down even more to week and then even if some, you know, some people even look at it on a daily basis, um, the more you break it down, the smaller those chunks get and the less intimidating they are. So, um, if you understand where your money's coming from and where it's going, uh, then it's easier to understand how to raise your fees. And really the, the, the next thing that we want to talk about is that, you know, architects do so much more than sell drawings. And a lot of the uh, public, you know, that's what they, they expect from us. And a lot of architects sort of uh, feed that, that stereotype that architects basically just draw for a living and they, and they roll up a, some drawings and we, we deliver them and that's what we do. And it's, it's, we, we provide much more than that. You know, what value beyond your designs are you providing for your clients? What separates you? from other architects that are providing proposals for the same projects that you're going after. Because if I, if I venture to guess you were doing much, much more than just putting together a great design, getting it on a bunch of paper 
and sending it off to a general contractor to build. Um, you know, architectural services is not a commodity and it, and it should not be treated as such. You know, we're, we're professionals, we're designers, we are creatives. Um, there is so much more to what we, we provide to the, to the world than uh, a set of drawings. You know, and if we're competing on price, then our services are a commodity. And so that's the, that's, that's, you know, it's a mindset. You need to, to, you're selling more than just a roll of drawings. Um, you know, my firm, Five Cat Studio, we, we don't sell drawings. We don't even sell designs. We sell an experience. And I've talked about this before in other podcasts and I've written about it on the blog. But, you know, we sell an experience. We, we hand hold through a very, very scary process. And that's what we do. We're handholders. You know, we guide our clients through initial ideas all the way through to the final punch list. We basically sell peace of mind. And you know, what is that worth? That's worth a whole lot more than a roll of, of bond paper and ink. We sell peace of mind. That's worth a lot of money. You know, and, and truthfully, clients have no idea what they should charge or what, what we charge and what, what we're worth. You know, heck, architects don't even know what to charge or what we're worth. So how could our clients possibly know? You know, if you do it right, you know, you can charge whatever you want, you know, to an extent. You know, your, wor- your services are worth what you charge. Um, you know, you, I'll, I want to tell you a little story. Today, this morning, I got a telephone call from a prospect. And um, he liked us a lot. He was actually a referral from another client. And I met with him a couple of weeks ago and I sent him my proposal, um, which you can go and you can purchase your own proposal at entrearchitect.com slash hybrid. Uh, I sell my proposal. So I sent my proposal out to him and uh, he contacted me late last week and he said he wanted to talk to me. And this morning he called me and he said, you know, you, I, I like you a lot. You know, I think we clicked really well. And uh, I think you do a great job. I love your architecture, but you're extremely expensive. You're much more money than the other proposals that he got. And, and he told me very transparently, he said he got five proposals. Listen to this, five proposals. The project is about a $500,000 project. It's a, a residential uh, addition and renovation, mostly renovations, basically a whole house renovation project with a few small additions. And he got... For the same services, he said, that for the same services, he got five proposals that, here are the, the numbers. He actually gave me the numbers. The numbers were $5,000 for a $500,000 $500, project, $5,000, $11,000, $30,000, $75,000, and $90,000. That's all for the same project. So... When I say architects have no clue what they what they should be charging, there's a perfect example of that. The same project, supposedly the same services, ranging from five thousand dollars to ninety thousand dollars. You know, and we're 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 not the highest. There's somebody higher than us, but we're on the higher end, um, and that's what that job should be for for the services that we provide. And the services that most architects should provide, our fee is set right where it needs to be in order for us to pay our expenses, um, cover our overhead, pay our pay our employees, and make a profit. 
And that's important. The profit's important because the profit is what makes a healthy business. It allows us to invest back into our business and grow and become stronger. So, so that, that, that job is, you know, worth between 50 and $75,000 for the services that architects provide for that. But it ranged from $5,000 to $90,000. So how could architects, you know, possibly, um, understand and that's that's in in one county five architects you know bidding on the same job or proposing uh, for the for the same services for the same job you know so so imagine how confused that prospect is um i don't know if i'll get it because one of the lower um you know he's also looking at at personality and he liked us a lot but he also liked one of the other architects that are providing a lower bid uh, or a lower proposal i keep saying bid but we don't we don't bid we propose um and it's it's a it's a very interesting situation. So um, I just wanted to tell that story because you know I I, I think that um, he has no idea what the architectural services are or what they're worth. So he was asking asking me what he should do, and so I said you know you should you should um, understand what we provide, and I explained my services. Um, I went through my my sales you know uh, process with him you know, both at the meeting with him originally and during the interview or during the telephone call. And we, we talked, you know, and I, and I built more rapport with him and, uh, and I don't know if he will, uh, hire us because, you know, our fee is significantly higher than the other architect who he liked as well. My guess is that he'll probably go back to him, which is what I actually, I, what I actually recommended is that he go back to the other architect and confirm that he's providing the same services as us. And in, as long as he likes that other architect as, as much as he likes us, because I think that's a big part too, is the personality, uh, the connection that you have with someone on a, on a personal level. Um, and I said, if, if all that you know works out, I think you should go with the other architect because I don't want you to ever work with us and then always feel like you left money on the table because that's not gonna end up in a good place. Um, I'd rather not get that job and go find another client that you know wants what we do and wants to pay for what we what we provide. So that's a very uh, interesting story, I think that that illustrates what we're talking about here. So the next thing I want to do is I want to go through seven steps on how you can raise your fees. So I, I, I laid out seven steps here, and uh, and if you do these seven steps, uh, by the time you're done, you'll have higher fees and hopefully you'll be making more money. So the first step is, and, and every step is, is an essential. You can't do these without the others. So um, do great work. It starts there. It, it starts with before anything else, you need to be really good at what you do. Um, you have to have a strong business with systems in place. So your process is efficient and it's effective, you know, and you need to have the talent to design to the level that you, you know, this potential client expects, you have to have the skills commensurate with the fees that you want to propose. So, you know, because if your fees, uh, if you raise your fees and your products and services don't match that fee, you're never going to convince your client to pay those higher amounts, and you're going to end up with a, a you know, a, a reputation of, of being expensive because you don't want to be expensive. You want to get paid for what you're worth. Um, so that's the first thing is you have to, before anything else, you have to be good at what you do. So if you're not there yet, then you need to price your, your work at the level that you're at. Um, 
So that's that's the first first thing is to do great work. Number two, show it off. You know, this is talking about branding and and the way you present your work to the world. So once you do great work, if you don't present it well and you don't tell the world about it, then you have nobody will know about it. So um, check in on your branding. Make sure your branding is consistent. Make sure everything has a consistent look and feel and sound and everything you know, works with the branding. I don't want to get into a whole lesson on branding. We can do that on another show, but, but that's really important. Um, make sure your logo is professional looking. It's not something that you sketched up in a couple hours or, you know, make sure it looks really, you know, professional. Um, make sure your marketing looks professional. Make sure your social media is consistent and your, if you're doing advertising, make sure your advertising is consistent with that brand. Make sure your business cards are consistent with that brand. All of it needs to say the same thing, give the same message, um, and it needs to say a message of high quality and high value. If if you're trying to charge a lot of money and your website is saying I do, you know, kitchen de- kitchen additions, you know, on a budget, your 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 brand isn't consistent with the with the price that you want to charge. So if you want to charge a lot, uh, and and you want to charge what you what you're worth, then what you're presenting to the world needs to meet that level as well. Professional photographs are key. You can't do this without professional photographs. So in, in, unless you are, uh, you can take photographs at a professional level that are equal to somebody who does this for a living, uh, then you need to hire a professional ph- photographer. Um, your photographs will sell your work. Uh, they need to be professional. Your website needs to be a professional looking website. It can't look like the kid next door put it together. It needs to be a very high quality website. Um, your printed portfolio, if you're still using one, I don't use a printed portfolio anymore. Everything I do is on the internet. Um, I use my laptop and, um, and my iPad. Uh, my portfolio is all digital now, but if you have, whether it's a printed portfolio or it's a digital portfolio, it needs to look awesome. Um, and your proposals too, the proposals that you send off need to be professional looking and they need to know, they need to look like you know what you're doing. Um, and they need to be very un- easy to understand and ours are, are very easy to understand. So that's that's the second one. Make sure you're showing off your work at a very high level. Okay, number three. This is sort of an interesting one. Raise the stakes. And that, so that basically means put yourself in a position that if you if you don't, succeed here, you'll have some consequences. Force compliance with your own goals. Set up real consequences for not following through. So, you know, you don't want fear to take over. So if you put, if you raise the stakes um, to the point where if if it fails, you're going to have real consequences, then you won't fall back on fear and do what you've always done. For me, I stopped taking smaller projects. You know, that's for the past five years through the recession, the small projects kept us alive. It was our survival bread and butter. But the, um, you know, my stakes were, okay, I'm not taking those anymore. When those clients come in, I'm going to refer them to my friends here in the local area. And we're not going to do that anywhere. We're going back to our pure target market. Um, we're going to find clients that we like to work with. And that's what we're going to do. And this allowed me to have more room to provide the top level services that, you know, our clients are expecting at the level of fees that we're providing or we're proposing. Um, 
but this also, you know, it, it creates a situation where we must sign the higher fee clients. If we fail and we don't sign those larger clients for the higher fees, then we're not going to have any work. So that's raising the stakes. If I, if I don't succeed in, in signing some of these clients, I'm in trouble. So, um, you know, taking one or two projects for the lower fees is going to put my firm in a very poor financial position. If, if we need, um, there was a time when we were doing lower cost work. And in order to do that and be profitable, you need to do a lot of it. It needs to be a, a le- very high volume. And that's a different business model than, than we have. Um, our target market is a much higher uh, fee, a much high, larger project. Um, but that's a great market. There's a lot of work there. So, you know, if somebody's looking for a market to, to, to go after and um, it, that lower price is a, is a, or the lower price, lower project um, fee, you know, higher, you know, high fee, small projects, um, but do a lot of them. So you do them quickly and you have to have really good systems in place to do that. Um, so raise the stakes. The consequence is painful if you don't follow through and that will make you, uh, follow through. Okay. So the first one is do great work. Second one is show off. Third one is raise the stakes. Number four, prepare to negotiate or not. So higher end clients often look at money and negotiating as a game. I have a lot of, you know, our clients are, are I'm based right outside of New York city. A lot of our clients are financial guys and women. Um, and many of them in, are in the positions where they negotiate professionally for a living. That's what they do. You know, uh, many of them, they're, they're, you know, don't tell them I said this, but a lot of them sort of wrap up their self-worth and their ego. You know, it's all tied up in this game of trying to get the most for the least. And it truly is a game to them. You know, so the key to this is to learn how to play that game, learn the rules and play that game well. So you have to expect that your profit, you know, your prospect is going to try to convince you to lower your fee. So you need to expect that you need to plan your response before that happens. You can't be caught off guard. You can't send out that high proposal or that high fee proposal and then get the telephone call from your client saying, Hey, you're crazy. That's way too much money. And then you just panic and you start giving it all away. You need to prepare for that, that possibility that your client is going to call back and say, you're expensive. So w- what you do is you need to learn to negotiate and you, and, um, if you're going to negotiate, you need to be good at it. So, so something that, that you can do to get better at that is to start small. You know, you can kind of do it offline, go to garage sales and flea markets and negotiate for small, unimportant things just to learn how to, how to negotiate and just how to get comfortable with the game of negotiation and, and do that back and forth garage sales and flea markets. It's a lot of fun because people, you know, they're expected to negotiate. And so you can go back and forth with that and get comfortable with that whole idea and learn how to do it. And when the time comes, you can be ready to, to counter that offer from your client when it comes back and says, you know what, you're too expensive. Here you go. And so you can, you can know how to negotiate and get the fee that you want to have. Um, or, or not, you know, the, the other piece to this is to prepare to negotiate or not, you know, the other possibility is to commit to not negotiating at all. And that's what we do at five cat. I send out a proposal. Our fee is what it is. It's based on what we need to, to, to be profitable. And so our policy is to not negotiate. And 
you know, we've determined our value. We've developed a great presentation and why we're worth the amount that we are. Um, and we just don't, we just don't reduce our fees. Um, and you need to be willing to walk away because that's the ultimate thing. If your prospect is coming back to you and they want to negotiate and you are not willing to negotiate, there's two solutions to that. They're either going to say, okay, I want to hire you anyway. And they're going to respect what you, what you say and understand why your, your value is where it is. Um, or they're going to say, no, I, you're too much money. I'm going to go somewhere else. And you need to be willing to, to walk away and go find another client who's willing to pay you. Um, but of course, every project is different and every client is different. And how hard and fast that rule is, is up to you. You know, you may find um, a great project. I may have a client come to me that has, you know, our dream project. It's a great client who I really like, um, who's going to be a, a, a fun client to work with, with a great project that has a, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, it's going to be great for our portfolio. It may take our firm to the next level so we can do higher level work. Um, so in that case, maybe I would negotiate a little bit. Maybe I would drop my fee a little bit in order to get that. But that's something you need to determine yourself and be prepared for that. So uh, prepare to negotiate or not. Number five, very important, not only in raising your fees, but in life general. Um, as a dad, this is something I, I, I have a high, very high priority with my kids. Be confident. Because if you feel worth less, then you're going to send a message that you're worthless. If you feel that you are worth less, then you're going to send the message that you are worthless. You need to be confident. You need to go through the exercise of understanding who you are and be comfortable with what you're doing and, and know your value and commit to your fee and be confident that you truly are worth what you're asking for. If you're not, if you're not confident in what you're asking for and, and the value that you're providing, then it, when a client comes back, they're going to hear that in your voice. They're going to see that in your body language when you meet with them. When you have the confidence and it's in your mind that you are worth more, that you, you should be charging more, that you should be getting more money for the, the amount of work that you do, um, then you will be confident and they will feel more comfortable with what you're providing. Um, and number six, this is probably the most important step. Do it. Number six is do it. Stop thinking about it and do it. You need to raise your fees. Raise your fees on your next prospect, the next phone call that comes in that's looking for work um, from you. Raise your fees and do it in a way that your fees have been like that forever. Don't make it, this is a new thing. Don't, don't feel shy about it. Just do it. Raise them higher then you even feel comfortable raising them. Do it on one job. Just do it on, on one job. Raise them higher than you're even comfortable. See what happens. Try it with one. Because if you get it, it's going to take your firm to a whole new level. If you, if you don't get it, then maybe you'll just lose that job. Maybe you'll just, you know, it'll, the next one, you can bring your feedback down. But it'll, it will help you go through the exercise. It'll give you more confidence. It'll help you negotiate. It'll do all these things because it'll, you'll, you'll take the leap and you'll do it. Um, and, and truthfully, if, if you do it and you get the job, it will, it will literally take everything to the next level because your confidence, I just said this, but your confidence will go up and your, your, the quality of your work will go up. 
the quality of the clients will go up, everything will go up. Okay, so let's recap real quick. I got one more. Uh, one is do great work. Two is show, off, show it off. Three is raise the stakes. Number four is prepare to negotiate or not. Be confident. Do it. And here's number seven. After you do it, use your last job to move yourself forward to the next job. So basically, this is all about references. After you performed at the very highest level and your systems have proven that you are the best architect around, ask for a reference. Ask your clients, your happy clients, uh, for their reference. Prepare a reference list of all these clients who rave about your services and, and are enthusiastic uh, to share your, their experiences with others. Let those people sell your services for you. Ask your, your, your good clients, the nice people for references, your favorite clients, the people who you really clicked with and that you really liked and they liked you. Um, ask them for references to others who may be considering projects within your target market because you want more of those clients. And nice people attract nice people. So the people that you really like, you know, ask them for your references. And uh, and improve your services with every happy client. Go back and survey your client either formally with a written survey or just ask them. When we When we go back after the project is over, we go back with a gift and we meet them and we let them walk the, us through their their new project and tell us how wonderful it is. And then we ask them what we could have done better. And a lot of them say, you know what, I don't know what you could do better, but you know, and then they come up with one or two little things that, you know, this would have been better or that would have been better and we can fix that. So next time we can get even better. So that's my list. I got seven tips to raise your fees, do great work, show it off, raise your stakes, uh, prepare to negotiate or don't negotiate or not. Um, five, be confident. Six, do it. And seven, use your last job to move yourself forward to the next job. And I wanted to share one more tip with you. It's not it's not one of the seven essentials, but this is this is another little story. I had breakfast with a couple of my friends this morning, um, and we talk business. We do this. These this is uh, when I was back in my old studio. Um, I had two subtenants and they've become friends over the years. And, um, and we go out to breakfast or lunch every couple months, every two or three months we do this. And, um, one of them is a branding specialist and he, and he, uh, gave my other friend a great tip. He said, when you, you, uh, when you're referred by someone, um, to another prospect and you find out who it is, send a, a handwritten note card, a thank you card to the referrer before you meet with the prospect. So as soon as you know, as soon as you tell, have a telephone call with your prospect and they say, oh yes, Susie Smith referred you to us and uh, they're great friends of ours. And then you go through your whole thing and you hang up and you get right down and you write, your, write a, a thank you letter to Susie Smith and you send it out before you meet with your client. And then when that prospect goes back to the referrer, and um, and they say, you know what, I'm, I'm interviewing with, you know, this architect that you referred and they will be filled with goodwill because they'll have just got your letter and they'll be so impressed that you thank them personally with a handwritten letter for this referral. They may even make the sale for you. They may even uh, get out there and start talking about how wonderful you are. They'll, they'll remember all of the great experiences they had through the process that you had with them. And it'll, it'll 
kind of puts them in the right state of mind, um, how, you know, and reminding them how wonderful you are as an architect. So I thought that was a really great tip to sort of, um, you know, he, you know, it's not a gift. You don't want to kind of make it look like you're, you're bribing them. It's just a handwritten thank you note for saying, hey, thanks for referring me to Susie Smith. She looks, you know, she sounds like a really great person. Looking forward to, to meeting with her. Uh, thanks for the referral. And send that off and have that sent back, you know, have it go back um, before you meet with the other client. So I thought that was a great tip. Um, so, so that's it. That's it for this episode. You know, remember higher prices also, this is another one, higher prices attract better clients. It's very interesting. If, um, you know, when we started raising our fees, the quality of our clients went up, you know, the, the quality of our projects went up because the people who are willing to pay the higher fees also have higher budgets. So your projects can get better. Um, they're also generally better clients. They're not necessarily better people or happier people or nicer people. Um, but they might be better clients because they have the money to spend on the project that they want to do. So many clients that have, uh, projects that exceed, you know, the project scopes exceed the amount of budget they have, uh, tend to be very difficult clients because, um, they want more than they could have. And that becomes a conflict in their minds. And you become the person who, who keeps getting in their way of getting what they want. And so, Higher prices attract better clients. I'm going to leave you with that. Um, if you want to make more money and have better clients and have more fun doing what you're doing, then I say raise your fees. Hey, are you subscribed to the Entrepreneur Architect Report? That's my free weekly newsletter that's delivered every Friday morning directly to your inbox. Each week, I share my thoughts on business, success, and architecture, provide some tips, or just comment about my week at 5Cat Studio. And I'm privileged to send my report to almost 3,000 subscribers. And every week, I receive dozens of emails in response to ideas or concepts that I share. It's much more personal and less formal than, than the blog, and it's such a great way to connect with the community uh, each week. It's a great way for me to kind of get my thoughts out to you and for you to respond back to me. I, I love the newsletter. Uh, I also share links uh, to every week's blog post article and the pod, podcast episode. So, you know, uh, you know, subscribers to the newsletter never, ever miss a thing happening at EntreeArchitect.com. So if you're interested in subscribing to the Entrepreneur Architect Report, click to visit entrearchitect.com slash newsletter and you'll find information on how to subscribe. I also want to thank those who have left a review or uh, a rating over at iTunes. entrearchitect.com slash iTunes will send you to my iTunes page over on the web. Just click the button that is labeled view in iTunes and it will open up your iTunes app where you can leave a review for the show. And I love to read what people think about what I'm doing here. And those reviews help other entrepreneur architects find the show and our community can continue to grow and to become the influential force that it's destined to be. So I thank you very, very much for doing that. So that's a wrap for this week. Until next week, you know my name is Mark R. LePage and I am an entrepreneur architect. Thanks for listening.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.